if you would please. Acts chapter 11 this morning. Acts chapter number 11 if you would please. And uh, we'll look at where we've been for just a second. We'll draw uh, a picture of where we were in the last two weeks. And then we'll get started this morning. We have been looking at making a difference. And uh, this morning we're looking at making a difference through giving. But I'll take you back when we studied about Peter and James when they came to the temple. And uh, there, were, uh, there was a man there who had needs. And uh, he sat before the temple gate daily uh, begging of alms. And Peter and James approached him as they went in. And this is when Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. And uh, he was healed that day. And we talked about Peter and James caring. Uh, the week after that, we were looking at witnessing, and uh, we talked about the character of Stephen. And even after his sermon, when the people that were listening responded like children, and they said the Bible says that they gnashed upon him with their teeth, even in his death moments, Stephen was witnessing. And then we came back last uh, week, and we were looking at Barnabas, the encourager edifying one another, lifting one another up, boosting one another, doing all that we can to keep the spirit of people where it needs to be. Now, this morning we're going to look at this subject of giving makes a difference. And in doing so, great growth, great spiritual growth in the church sometimes can be closed by the improper giving. And sometimes it's not just the fact that someone doesn't give, or have a spirit of giving, uh, sometimes it's the fact of how we give. Our memory verse associates with that <clears throat> as well. This morning I want us to look through, and we're looking at generosity as being a hallmark of Christianity. Uh, love should be the motivation for our giving. We want to begin this morning, and we'll read text verses as we move through the lesson, but number one, there has to be seen, first of all, to give, there needs to be seen the presence of the need. The presence of the need. Now, where were we in the last week with Barnabas? We were in Antioch, and there had been a young church born there. I want you to pray, if you would, for Ben Webster. Uh, this week is another key week for them. Uh, next Saturday, there's a prayer meeting. They're establishing he's going to be the pastor of the Newport News Baptist Church. And I want you to pray for him. These next couple months are busy times and transition times they're moving from ohio uh, to virginia they found a house a lot of things being set up and this is going to be the birth of a new church antioch was a new church there were young believers there how did they come to hear the gospel of christ the bible told us last week that it was because of the persecutions of christians in jerusalem the government was after them there were a lot of things happening and they were leaving Jerusalem, but the scripture said that everywhere they went, they carried the gospel, preaching the gospel, and the gospel opened the eyes of the Gentiles, and at Antioch, these people uh, become Christians, and so there needed to be the founding of the church. There were good examples to them, and we see, we'll see that as we travel through this morning. The first of all, as we're looking at this young church in Antioch, and we look at the giving spirit that they have, Acts chapter 11, look if you would at verse number 28. And there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world 
which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. If you would, I want you to turn back over to the book of Amos for just a second. Amos. Try not to spend a lot of time here. I want you to know, though, that this was a prophesied event. Uh, it was a prophesied event. In the book of Amos, uh, we were beginning in, in verse number 1, Thus saith the Lord God, showed unto me, and behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he said, Amos, what seest thou? And I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then said the Lord unto me, The end is come upon my people of Israel. I will not again pass by them any more. And the songs of the temple shall be howlings in that day, saith the Lord God, and there shall be many dead bones in every place, and they shall cast them forth uh, with silence. Come to verse 6. And uh, that they may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of shoes, and yea, sell the refuge of the wheat. And the Lord has sworn by the excellency of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of the works. Shall not the land tremble for this, and everyone mourn that dwelleth therein? And it shall rise up wholly as a flood, and it shall be cast out and drowned um, uh, as by the flood of Egypt. And it came to pass to this day, uh, saith the Lord God, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon, and will darken the earth in the clear day. And the, it continues on talking about this great, uh, this great famine that was going to come. Now, if we first of all have to, pres there has to be the presence of a need, we have looked then at the accuracy of prophecy. Amos, if we went further, is, this is, these are the days that he is speaking of. And uh, in this, there, he is a New Testament prophet. We talked about different prophecies on Wednesday evening, and the time of prophets has now come to a close. But this is a transitional gift as he's reminding them of what had been said, what was going uh, to happen in their day. Now, we have lived, most everyone in this room, we have lived through scarcity. But we have never lived through famine. Now, I understand the weather patterns and weather right now uh, has a lot of people worried about a lot of different things. We've seen the fields flooded in the Midwest. Encourage you to pray for Bob Walkity. He's traveling out that way in Oklahoma. He said he was going to dodge the storms. Good luck. Instantly, when we see that flooding, many times we begin to think, ooh, what's that going to do to the cost of goods? But there's always a field somewhere. I say that just to mention this and to get it in our mind. We know what scarcity is. I was not an adult. I was a young child when the gas shortage hit the United States. I do remember the gas shortage. The part I remember is sitting in line at gas stations. That's what I remember of it. We know what it is to live through scarcity at times. And some, maybe in the auditorium, are old enough to know harder times than what others are. But we have not, we have not lived through days of famine. In this famine, it was wide. The scripture tells us that's a, wor a worldwide thing. And so first there has to be an accurate prophecy. And then the second thing that we look at, <clears throat> an acute poverty. The acute poverty. Philippians chapter 4, uh, Paul writing. And Paul says in this writing, I believe in summary what I've just said to you. We know what it is to live under scarcity, but we also 
know what it is to live blessed. I told you a few weeks ago, Brother Crane gave me some articles out of North Korea where the government had just reduced the uh, food that is given to people, uh, cut it a few more ounces than it had been before. Most of us would look at what the Korean people, the North Korean people have to eat, and we would think, good gracious, I could never. Now, Paul knew what it was, and he describes that to us in Philippians chapter 4. Now that I, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. I have learned to live through feast, and I have learned to live through famine. I know both how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, uh, both to abound and to suffer need. So when we're looking at these things, we're seeing the acute poverty that is there. Now, Hebrews chapter 11, you have printed there for you. Sometimes people, when we hit those spots of scarcity, you begin to wonder, has God forgotten? And Hebrews addresses that. It said in others, uh, I mentioned this, I believe it was either Wednesday night or last Sunday night, when we look at the condition of others. And this is what, Paul, uh, what uh, Hebrews is writing of here. Uh, the others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings and gave moreover of bonds and imprisonment. Have any of you faced any of that yet? No, I don't think so. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted and slain of the sword, and wandered about in sheep's skin and goat's skin, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Now, not one person in this room that I'm seeing this morning has had to live through days like that. Of whom the world was not worthy, and that's where we parked a few lessons ago. The world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. If you're wondering how God is going to meet, how God is going to meet the pressing needs in your life, uh, we have to remember that you are in good company. I am in good company. Because God's people oftentimes find themselves there. Abraham found himself there. Moses found himself there. Joseph found himself there. Joseph's life was mingled. It seemed like every time that he was blessed, he was brought back down. And in the end, he understood all that God had done. The presence of the Lord. And we had an accurate prophecy, and we have an acute poverty. Roman numeral 2 this morning, the participation in the offering. Now the famine has hit, and it has hit hard. Here is this young church. Less than two years old. Now, this isn't a church that is somewhere and, and somebody over here gets disgruntled and they come over here and join this church and, and there's a bunch of church swapping. That's, that's not this kind of church. This church is less than two years old. We don't know if it's where it is in this, but we know that Barnabas left and went to get Paul because of what was happening in Antioch. And he said, these people need more than what I have. So he went and got Paul and he brought him back. And the two of them stayed there together for a year to teach. Now, as they're there, the churches grow. These are all baby Christians. These aren't people that are coming in giving right off the bat. And so we're, when we're looking at this participation in the offering, look at verse 29, if you would, Acts eleven twenty-nine. 29. Then the disciples, every man 
according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelleth in Judea. Now these Antioch Christians, though they were relatively new in faith, they had learned something. And here's what I want to try to help us to grasp, including last week's lesson to this week. Where had they learned this grace of giving? Could it have been by Barnabas the encourager? Because remember what we ended last week, Barnabas, he had a plot of land over here. And there was a need in the church, and he sold that, and he brought it. And they look at that. It was a testimony to them. God gives to all differently. Now, when we're looking at this, notice, first of all, that, God, uh, that people who gave. Look at the people who gave. And the people were every man. Every man. Everyone does something. And it's not the self-same gift. These gifts are different. Now notice what it's talking about. It says by the ability. By the ability. Now what is that speaking of? We'll look at 1 Corinthians 16 and verse number 2. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. God isn't asking of gifts. He's not asking us to give what we don't have he simply asks us to give as he has prospered us i want you to jot this somewhere in your book and i think i may have said it last week as well but it's it's a true statement many people give out of their account and not out of their ability you see we all have different abilities but the key at this point is for us to understand that every man gave as he could. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 16, under the Old Testament, we'll talk about Old Testament giving versus New Testament giving in a little while. Every man, in Deuteronomy 16, 70, every man shall give, shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord. Now, notice the comparison of those two. As the Lord hath prospered, we found that, in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, uh, the blessing of, uh, blessing of the Lord thy God, which he hath given thee. I, I was, uh, you know, everybody is interested in, the, in the, um, the markets. And this week, the different things that happened with China and all kinds of stuff like that. I, I came across a story of a fella. Anybody ever heard of Ronald Wayne? Ronald Wayne, big name, right? I don't see anybody that knows it. Back in the early 80s, Ronald, Ronald Wayne was on the cutting edge of technology. And he was having a part of this little computer company that was getting started up. It was just the formation. And uh, several men went together, and they each put in $800. And he put his $800 in, and the computer company grew just a little and he was more concerned with his $800. And so after a year or so, he went back to the other men who had purchased as well or bought in as well, and he said, tell you what, it's grown and there's some profit. I would like, to buy, I would like somebody to buy me out. And they bought him out of this little Apple computer company. And if he had kept that $800 investment, 
They say today that his value would be almost, are you ready for this? A billion dollars. Most people are more concerned about what they're going to get out of something than what they are giving to something. The people who gave, notice at this, every man. Now, the second would be the proportion. How did every man give? According to his ability. Now, this is not, giving is not a competitive thing. The offering in Antioch had a common characteristic with other Bible offerings. And the participating varied from individual to individual. Notice in our memory verse, it talks about a cheerful giver, not a grudge giver, but a grace giver. Personal responsibility. I want us to, for just a moment, to think of that little boy with the lunch when he came that day. And the disciples were like, send all the people away. Jesus said, no, what do we have? Somebody had to go ask that little guy for his lunch. There's a little fellow in the hallway the other day at the school coming in. And he had a certain kind of lunch box, and I made a comment about his lunch. I said, are you going to share with that with me? I don't know if he knew who I was or anything like that. He turned around and looked at me and said, no way. Now, this little guy brings enough lunch for himself. Something had to spark within him to share. But I want you to remember what he took home with him. It wasn't within his ability to make a major difference in the lives of well over 5,000 people. The Bible says it was 5,000 men. Where there's men, there's women. Where there's women, there's children. So we don't know how many there were exactly. But the Bible said from that man, that, <clears throat> that boy's little lunch, there were baskets left over. Can you imagine his excitement? Mama, I shared. Mama, I shared. And of course, we know all children love to share. I shared, I shared, and here they come. Can you imagine mom's face when they were coming with this? The proportion that they gave according to their ability. Another story, scripture that probably comes to our mind is the story of the widow's might. We have that in Mark chapter number 12, verse number 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and behold and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. Now, let me describe something for you. I don't have time to go into a lot of the biblical issues of it and, and, and pull it all together for you. Just uh, I want you to understand this. The giving then, it is thought to have been this way. You came up to the altar, you came up to the place of offering, and you dropped your offering in. And you dropped it in. It's a metal-type vessel. And people have been taking pride in how they give. They wanted their offering to sound greater. They would cast it in to make as much noise as possible, to draw as much tension as they could from people. And then up steps this widow, and she has two mites. That's it. It's not going to make a lot of noise. It's not going to be seen to a great extent. But let me tell what she was giving. She was giving her ability. In fact, notice what Jesus says of her. And there came a, poor, a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites 
which make a farthing. And he called unto his disciples and saith unto them. He draws the uh, disciples' attention. That this poor widow hath cast in more than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in out of their abundance. But she went, uh, she uh, did cast in all that she had, even all of her living. Notice Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verse number 17. Every man shall give as he is able, not above his ability, not below his ability, as he is able, according to the blessing of God. That's the third time we've seen it. Our gifts should be given according to the blessing of God in our hearts and lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 12 uh, speaks of this as well. For if there first be a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according that he hath not. For I mean not that ye uh, be eased, and, uh, and ye be, another man be eased, and ye burdened, but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may supply their want. Their abundance may supply your want. And I'll draw your attention to this, what you, this church, has done in the past several years. You know, if there was a major storm that came through here and took our building out, it's happened in places, and it can at any time. The church in West Virginia, I saw the security camera issue, and they, the water that was this deep, and suddenly it was up as high as the uh, wall sconces that are in our auditorium. Everything's underwater. The island of Neos, where the tsunami hit. The churches in Florida, and the churches in Texas, and I could go on and on and on through the list of the Philippines and different countries that we have responded to out of what God has allowed us and blessed us with. And here Paul is saying, out of your abundance you supply for them, and there will come an hour of need for you. And that's when their abundance will supply. And the word there may be equity that is given with that. I remind you of the story of the stewards in the Scripture a great story of giving. And notice the steward, the master of the steward, the master did not give all three stewards the same. You say, well, why not? Because he knew them. God knows what he can trust us with. And he didn't give them all three the same. I say he knew them because of the outcome of the story. And we know that two of them invested wisely. They did something with what the master had. And the third, he just sat on it. He kept it. And remember what happened when the master came back. What I have given you, and that's how we're to give, out of the blessings of God. Now, I, the master says, I blessed you with this. I gave you this. You're responsible for this. And you did more. And more was given to you. But the one the master had given to, and he did nothing. What happened? Master took it back away. I think that's a picture of what God does with us as well. Look at C, if you would, please. The purpose. The purpose they gave. Relief unto the brethren. Selflessness is not natural. We see it from children's ages all the way up. But they see that someone else needed relief. And so these young Christians are giving for the relief of someone else. Generosity is learned. Giving is a learned thing. It's something that is taught. Agabus' prophecy could spur 
the people into saying, I'm going to save, I'm going to save, I'm going to save, because these things are going to happen, I'm going to save. I'm going to build up for this day. But here, it doesn't, it doesn't bring them to a place of saving, it brings them to a place of sharing. We talk about rainy days, and, and, and I'll say this, the Bible is not against us saving. It's not against us having. But it doesn't take away what God has said, that we're to be cheerful givers as well. Zacchaeus, you remember him, the wee little man? And after he met Christ, do you remember the first thing that he said? The first thing that he said was that he was going to give X amount of what he had away. Half of everything that I have, I'm going to give. And then if I have taken, if I have stolen, if I have cheated a person, I'm going to give to him greater than what I've given. I, I, I think in, we see what we see in Zacchaeus is that instantly when you have a relationship with God, when you have a love for God, it brings you into the place of wanting to give, desiring to make right. Luke 19 and verse number 8, Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Now, we know what he was, and we know the, uh, the position of that office, and we understand what very possibly could have happened with his doings and his living. Look at number three. There's a pattern of the New Testament giving. This is the important portion. The pattern of the New Testament giving. Acts chapter 11, look at verse 30, if you would, please. Which they also did, and sent it to the elder, or the elders, by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. This continues, this form of giving continues. In uh, First and Second Corinthians, you can read more about it. The book of Philippians, you can read about it in Acts chapter 2 through verse number, uh, through chapter number 4 also speak about three characteristics of giving. First, it's this systematic giving. Systematic giving. The Old Testament demanded giving. Now, I'm going to be very cautious with how I say this for the next minute or so. The Old Testament demanded the gift. I think it is no less important in the New Testament, but there's sort of a slight change in the New Testament doesn't as much demand the gift as there is expectation of the gift. Expectation of why? Because of motivation. Motivation from what? Love. The Old Testament was about obedience. The New Testament is about love. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, it says, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. There it is again. Tells us, as God has prospered him, that there be no gathering. That there be no gathering. Uh, that, that means that it be disposed. That means that it be spread. That means that it be giving. That there be no gatherings, no hoarding up of things when I come. A sure sign of Christian growth is faithfulness in giving. Now, I, I, we're looking at, A, the systematic giving. D 
Did you know that most of your finances are systematic? You receive a paycheck. Those who are still working, you receive a paycheck in a systematic fashion. It could be weekly, it could be bi-weekly, it could be once a month. Those of you who are supplemented by Social Security, you get a check a month. That's the income side of your life. Your giving side also comes systematically. What do you mean, preacher? There's a company called Dominion Power. And you send them an offering. Determine the amount determined by you and how much you keep the light on and the light off. And there are other places just like Dominion. Most in the room probably have a personal relationship with a company called Comcast. And many probably have a relationship with a mortgage company or a landlord. And there's a monthly contribution. What am I saying? All of these are systematic. Well, I don't believe in being systematic. Good. Then you believe in living without power. Because if you're not systematic in your giving to dominion power, they will be systematic to you. I was reading Godfrey Davis had written about the Duke of Wellington, and he said that after he had passed away, people were very interested in uh, what was the most important thing in his life. And he said, I had determined that the easiest way to find that was to look at the ledger in his financial books. And he said, when you looked at his ledger, you could tell where his heart was in his life. Systematic giving. The second part of New Testament giving is sacrificial giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 2, how that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of his liberality. Now, this isn't, I'm going to give you an illustration. This isn't going to happen to everybody. So don't be going out and emptying your wallet today unless you feel led so by the Holy Spirit. I heard this week, and this happened about two years ago, three years ago, of a man who was homeless, and he lived on the streets in an area of town that was known for violence. There was a young lady coming through. She was in her 30-somethings. She was on her way to work that night. It was rainy. It was dark. She was cutting through this area of town to get to the hospital where she worked. So off she went. She made her way. She ran out of gas in this area of town right where this homeless man saw her. She got out of her car, and she was frantic. She realized, I'm not in a safe place. I don't have any money with me. What am I going to do? And this homeless man saw it, and he knew she was in a place of danger. He knew the influence of the area. And from his pocket, he took the last $20 bill he had, and he gave it to her. She graciously took it and was able to get out of that part of town, but she never forgot it, and she began to, she would intentionally go through that area of town and she would bring him food. 
and she would bring him clothes and she would bring him a toothpaste and she would bring different things that she thought he need, needed. And she said, I never forgot what he gave me that day. And then she actually, she got so into this thing of trying to help the man that she started one of these GoFundMe. And she told the story, I was in danger, I was out of gas, this homeless man stepped up in the dark hours and gave me the last money that he had. And since that time till this, people heard the story of his giving, and you know what they did? They gave. You know who they gave to? They gave to him. She was trying to raise $5,000 for him. He finally said, please, tell people to quit giving when it reached $400,000. I don't need that. Give it to somebody else. What am I saying with all of this? For him, that moment was sacrificial giving. It has been said from this pulpit for well over 40 years. You cannot outgive God. Now, that was not a spiritual illustration. That's a physical illustration. You can't outgive God. When you reach that place that we're not just, we're not just giving out of our account. Sacrificial giving. <clears throat> and then notice this, C. Sincere giving. If giving is anything, it has to be sincere. God does not need your gifts. God does not need your finances. The Old Testament said you must, and the New Testament simply says this, out of love, not obedience, but out of love, you should give as, in most places that we've read this morning, as the Lord God has prospered you as the Lord God has blessed you. Sincere giving, what is that? Number one, sincerity means a willing heart. The desire to give. You cannot make people give. You cannot force people to give. Giving must come from the heart. Today's Mother's Day. Do you know that there are more Mother's Day cards than any other greeting card? Mother's Day. Why? Why would that be? There's just an attachment. As we think about what our mothers have done for us, there's this willing heart. You see... If you have to make someone give, it's not an offering, it's a do. So a person's giving is a mirror or a reflection, not of their obedience or disobedience, but their love or lack of love for God. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 3. For to their power, and I bear record, yea, beyond their power, they gave willingly of themselves, for if there first be a willing mind, and we know that that's talking about a willing heart or a willing mind, it is accepted unto that a man hath, and not according to that 
he hath not. When Moses was building the tabernacle, you know where the funding for the building of the tabernacle came from? Well, Moses stepped out, he talked to the people, he gave them a list of required things, and in came precious metals and dyed skins and fabrics and all those things that were necessary and needful. Exodus chapter 25 and verse 2, it says this, Speaking to the children of Israel, that they bring an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, and ye shall take my offering. How did the Hebrews respond to that? Chapter 35, verse 21, And they came everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom the Spirit made willing. And they brought the Lord's their offerings to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation. So, so sincere giving is, first of all, sincerity means with a willing heart. Look at two. Sincerity means with a loving heart. With a loving heart. The object of the affections, the love serves to do for. Love pursues. It seeks after. Love is, as we've said, the greatest of all motivators. In 2 Corinthians 8, 8, I speak not by commandment, by the occasion of forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity, not of your accounts or your abilities, but to prove the sincerity of your love. And then notice the third one, the sincerity means a joyful heart. When you truthfully love someone, you enjoy giving to them. You enjoy giving to them, regardless of who, who they are. You enjoy giving. 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly nor of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now again, David demonstrates the heart of the sincerity of the giver in his life in so many uh, different ways. We need to understand this, that money is simply this, a tool. That God has provided for us for the work that needs to be done on earth and we have to acknowledge his ownership of everything that he gives and does for us. When we understand that, we will give not out of obedience, but we'll give out of love. <coughs> Numbers of things will be done today all across our country and other places of the world to show love to show sincerity of love. And we know that there's a number of things that money can do and money can't do. But we will show love today on this Mother's Day to those who have loved us and cared for us and done for us. And if in an earthly sense, those who have done that, and I read the other day a fellow, uh, on his, he wrote a personal Mother's Day card. And it said, uh, let me try to remember exactly what it said. Thank you for carrying me physically for nine months and financially for 29 years. That was his personal, his personal Mother's Day card. But listen, if today is a day that our country has set aside, Woodrow Wilson is the president who made it a legal holiday, we've set this time aside to say thank you to someone we love and we do for them in an earthly way what about an eternal way you know what we give says a lot about our love for god and so giving does make a difference let's stand this morning be dismissed in uh, prayer choir you make your way back room is now open for you and uh, if we can let's be dismissed in prayer brother's time would you pray for us please